Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. So today, as we turn to one of America's national treasures, this man named Fred Rogers, uh, we have just a great amount of nostalgia around this person and the neighborhood he created. I just want to give a warning that, in my experience, when we re-encounter Fred Rogers and his message, I have found that people get oddly emotional. Have you even experienced that today? So just to let you know, I have boxes of Kleenexes. So if you find yourself needing, just raise a hand. I'll just give you a toss, and it might happen at any point this morning. There's no shame in that. Uh, I believe that people get oddly emotional because uh, this man does something for us. It reminds us of our childhood. It reminds us of our innocence. But I think also his message and even his, his character taps into something deeply within us. I think experiencing him awakes us to our own humanity and our longing for what humanity could be. And one interesting scene in this documentary, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, one interesting scene was that this, uh, Fred Rogers was being interviewed by this uh, reporter, and this reporter tried to, he asked a really inappropriate kind of gotcha question to Fred Rogers, and, and doing what he did, always did, he kind of leaned in a little awkwardly close and smiled, and he said something uh, to this man after a while, and he said, do you know what you always have with you? Your childhood. <laughs> and the guy goes, uh-huh. And then Fred Rogers pulls out his puppet and starts talking to him. And it was the weirdest thing seeing this reporter probably had this list of gotcha questions, and all of a sudden he transformed quickly into a child. This child, it just came in. This man's power and his legacy invites us to rediscover what it means to be more childlike. What are some adjectives that you think of when you think uh, of children? What are some adjectives you would use to describe children? Playful. Innocent, play, playful, silly, curious, very curious. A lot of why, why, how, why, but why? What's that? Destructive, yeah. <laughs> this might be the playful part of it, too. These are all the characteristics that we find in kids. All right, so let's keep that in mind as we turn to Scripture, Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They called, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. So Jesus places this child in the middle of these disciples. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In all different ways that we have thought the way that we enter into God's kingdom, enter into relationship, Jesus plops a child in the middle of our conversations and say, if you want to enter in the kingdom, you must be more like this child. Maybe you have to be more playful, more curious, more vulnerable. Destructive? I don't know. <laughs> but more childlike. So before you were impressive, as a child, before you are impressive, you already were given the kingdom. Before you had anything substantial to offer the world, it was already given. To enter this kingdom, we must become more like children and how about this? How about 
for our time in this message, how about we allow ourselves to be more childlike, to put off the pretense that we surround ourselves with, to put on a different kind of mindset. There are many things that I think Fred Rogers uh, could Ways I wanted to retitle this sermon, The Gospel According to Fred Rogers. <laughs> Let us remember that the word gospel, it, it means a public declaration of good news. It's a public declaration of good news. And this was the life and the ministry of Fred Rogers, a public declaration of God's good news. Many people don't know this, but Fred Rogers was deeply a religious person who was encouraged and motivated by his faith and his love of Jesus. It was his love of Jesus that was the foundation for all the work he did. When he first experienced TV, even before he owned a TV, he saw it with great potential to form society and culture, either for good or for bad. And before even owning a TV, he declared to his parents that he was going to go into television production. He found his way in Pittsburgh to a and he made this, this small children's production there in Pittsburgh. And after a while, he decided he wanted to um, deepen the foundation of his ministry. And so he actually went to seminary. And later on, he was ordained a Presbyterian minister. Here's a picture of him right there in that area. Um, and his particular ordination was an evangelist for TV. Again, spreading the good news. A public declaration. And after some work, he, uh, after, uh, after graduating from seminary, he decided he wanted to understand the, the mindset of children, so he worked with developmental psychologists. And then after that, he felt ready to create his neighborhood, his television show. And this video right here shares a little bit more about the idea of his vocation, of him living out that uh, unique calling in his life. So let's watch this video clip. And what he wanted to do was to take all of that that he learned in television work, add to that a sense of ministry and the child development background. It became Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. A neighborhood was a place where at times that you felt worried, scared, unsafe, would take care of you, would provide understanding, safety. That's what the neighborhood was for Fred. Television has the chance of building a real community out of an entire country. There was a whole spiritual dimension to his work in the television business. To be inclusive, he did this without ever identifying himself as a minister. He didn't wear a collar, he wore a sweater. And he preached in that context in a way more effective than anyone I've ever seen because it wasn't a sermon like a, an oratorical thing. It was a communication right into their hearts. And if you look at the values that Mr. Rogers represented, it's influenced by his faith. 
His Christianity was this kind of wide open Christianity that was accepting thinking from all other places while never departing from the Christian faith. Fred's theology was love your neighbor and love yourself. And he saw that communication as the most deeply spiritual thing that he could be doing. When I look at the camera, I think of one person. Not any specific person, but one person. It's very, very personal. The space between the television screen and whoever happens to be receiving it, I consider that very holy ground. A lot happens. A lot happens there. How tragic it would have been if someone would have pulled Fred Rogers aside and said, I know that you think that that's ministry going into television production for kids, but that's not real ministry. Real ministry happens within the church. You should really try to, if you're going to be a minister, you should really be a minister within a church. How silly and unfortunate that would be if that was the message that he was given. The reality is where there is love, where there's humility, where there's beauty created, and when there's service, there is the kingdom of God. It can break in through that wor- in, into this world through those things. And those attributes can break into any circumstance, any scenario, any profession, any calling. And Mr. Roger teaches us that there's no lines distinguishing uh, one job is ministry and the other is not. All of life can be ministry. Every profession, the kingdom of Jesus can break in and God could use all vocations to spread the good news. And whether that is in a classroom, a boardroom, staying at home, or in a cubicle, there can be ministry there. I had the privilege uh, a couple weeks ago of being reordained. Uh, and one of my thoughts of this experience, look at me, I was much holier than everyone else. They were, they were kind of all, I was more holy. It's embarrassing to be honest. Um, but for me and my experience of being, going through this ordination process, it was this great sense of calling, uh, very personal calling of Mark. We see that you have been gifted and called to pastor. So go back home and pastor with all your might. Love well, lead well. And I've, I've I came back home, encouraged, like, I, I want to make these days count. I don't know how many days I have in this world. I don't know how many days I have in this community. I want to make every single one count. The reality is, my ordination, I, after, when I was going through this, I, I thought to myself, I wish everyone had this experience. I wish everyone had this experience where where like you would be brought forward and you would hear the plans that God has for your vocation and that you are being sent wherever you go, that you are being sent to bring God's kingdom there. Whether that is in a boardroom, whether that is in whatever context, whatever profession, that that is where God is sending you. So go and minister with all your might. I really believe that the call of being a pastor is unique, but it's not special. It's not, high, it's, not a, it's not more valuable in God's kingdom. 
What's valuable in God's kingdom is someone loving with all of their heart and all of their might and seeking to make a difference through their unique calling. This is what Fred Rogers showed us. Using his pulpit on PBS with songs and puppets, I believe that Rogers brought the gospel to many. And what was the message that he shared? One message he shared was that good news deals with hard emotions, the hard emotions of life. One of the reasons why Rogers was so passionate about creating this neighborhood is that he wanted to create a safe place. He wanted to create a safe place where kids could learn to be honest with their emotions. This was in part because of his own childhood. Growing up, he learned that to be emotional was being bad. It was bad to be emotional as a child. He learned that. And this caused a lot of hurt in his life. Likewise, in our culture, in our day and age, uh, we can be a part of the community that we don't know what to do with our emotions. Is there a way for us to be deeply emotional people yet not be slaves to our emotions? And I'm too afraid that our, in our inability to know what to do with our emotions, to be emotionally mature, that we end up creating and passing on a lot more hurt in this world. Instead of learning how to engage our emotions where there's a safe place, we, what do we do? Well, we numb ourselves through substances, or we just get busy, we find entertainment, we just withdraw from our emotions. But then the emotions, you know this, that the emotions will reemerge in more dramatic, unhealthy ways. Even in church, we can create a context where we don't invite, in, invite people to the safe place where you can be honest with your emotions. Oftentimes in church, we can share the message somehow that to be depressed and angry and afraid are sins to be avoided. We might be taught that feeling those emotions are signs of being immature spiritually. That instead, if you have those emotions, just you need to learn how to pray more, quote more scripture, or have more faith. And instead, what Mr. Rogers did with this neighborhood is that he learned how he taught kids how to deal with their emotions head on. And watching this documentary for me, one of the greatest surprises I had was how confrontational he was. In this little context, as quirky and weird as he was, he was deeply confrontational, tackling some of the hardest subjects with kids. And this video clip shows the way in which he did this with the most difficult topics. Just a minute, I want to show you something. Okay. Wonder what? It's a balloon. Oh, a balloon. Could you blow it up for me? Surely. So, this is the first year of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Daniel Striped Tiger is there with Lady Everlyn, asking her to blow a balloon up and then let the air out. You wonder why this is in there. Can you hear on any of There's something I want to ask you. What does assassination mean? That's what happened, you know. 
That man killed that other man. A lot of people are sad and scared about it, you know. I'd rather talk about it some other day. Whenever you like. Mm, that feels good. Oh, there's Officer Clemens. Hi, Officer Clemens. Come oh, in. Rogers, how are you? Fine. Why don't you sit down? Sure, just for a moment. It's so warm, I was just uh, putting some water on my feet. Oh, it sure is. Would you like to join me? It looks awfully enjoyable, but I don't have a towel or anything. Oh, you share mine. Okay, sure. Around the country, they didn't want black people to come and swim in their swimming pools. And Fred said, that is absolutely ridiculous. Today, trouble under a noon sun. Negroes and white rabbis marched to a segregated hotel with these results. Manager James Brock told him to get off his private property, tossed uh, cleaning chemicals inside the pool in an effort to get the Negroes to leave. My being on the program was a statement for Fred. Cool water on a hot day. Hmm. I mean, to, to do a week on death. Oh, hi kids. <laughs> We're going to do a week on death. A divorce. Some people get married and after a while they're so unhappy with each other that they don't want to be married anymore. On children getting lost. Man, that's guts. I felt that I had to speak to the families of our country about grief. A plea not to leave the children isolated and at the mercy of their own fantasies of loss and destruction. Children have very deep feelings, just the way parents do, just the way everybody does. And our striving to understand those feelings and to better respond to them is what I feel is a most important task in our world. This show brought out the harder emotions because in those words that he shared right there is that if not, we can be isolated. And the way it works with God, that God wants us to bring the difficult issues of our life out into the light Bring it out of, of the darkness so that it can be healed and restored and also so that we don't have to feel alone in it. And Rogers, he created a place where kids could be honest with the deepest challenges so that there could be healing, that people could not be left with denial and isolation. And the reality is that kids needed it and so do adults today. Another lesson that Rogers taught us through his work was that there's good news uh, the good news gives appreciation and acceptance. One of the major themes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was this theme of acceptance. He was a core tenant of the neighborhood. Roger was trying to attack something at attached to humanity that even kids feel. That we believe that we are only worthy of acceptance after it has been earned. Earned by acting like others. Earned by beating other people out earned by mastering whatever tasks or accumulating enough things. 
And for Rogers, he took that natural belief and flipped it upside down. This was a lesson that Rogers must have learned from Jesus. Jesus flipped around the normal sequence of acceptance that people had, especially of of God, flipped it on on its head. To be honest, the the sequence, many of us are still trying to unlearn in our own life. This is the sequence that we are taught sometimes. Is that the way with religion is that if you want to belong, first you're going to have to act like us. You're going to have to behave like us. You have to look like us, act like us. And then after a while, if you behave like us long enough, then we'll get you through enough classes, we'll sit you down, we'll teach you what to believe. And once you've learned how to act like us, or once you learn to defend what we believe to be true, then finally then you can belong. And the way with the Gospel, the way with Jesus, is Jesus entered in with relationship. Belonging, Period. Period. And in the midst of belonging, as people are drawn into this relationship marked by grace, then all of a sudden people are unfolding into the people that they were created to be. They become who they were created to be. They're not becoming what what I think you should be. You should be like me. But you become the way in which God has created you to be. The way that God has outlined life to, to work. And for me, I think that this, this is a ministry that Fred Rogers gave, and it's one of the reasons why we so resonate in so many ways. We see this through uh, the life and the ministry of Fred Rogers, and here's a great example of that. The universal question about Fred is, was he that way in real life? And the answer is yes. Francois Clemens, hi, welcome. Thank you, how you doing? Fine, how are you today? Fine. My feet were tired, so I thought I'd just soak them for a while in this water. Does it make him feel better? It does. Would you like to try? Sure. On the show, he would say, I love you just the way you are. One day I said, Fred, were you talking to me? And he looked at me and he said, yes. I've been talking to you for two years, and you finally heard me today. And I just collapsed into his arms. I, was, I started crying. I, that's when I knew that I loved him. There are many ways to say I love you. There are many ways to say I care about No man had ever told me that he loved me like that. I needed to hear it all my life. My dad never told me. My stepfather never told me. So, from then on, he became my surrogate father. I'm so proud of you, Francois. Oh, thank you, Fred. Thank Can I help you. you here? Thank you. The people who have had a lot of struggle in their lives, those are the people who really impress me. Like who? There was an interview with a little boy by the name of Jeff Erlinger. We wrote because Jeff was going to have a spinal fusion and be in a, what they call a halo, a, cast, you know, a halo metal cast. rim and then cast on his shoulders and bolted all, all the way down his trunk. And, yeah. We he may not sure. have survived the surgery. And so we said, you know, what would you like to do? Uh, this is going to be a really big task for you, and so we want to kick it off with something that would be really special. Mr. Rogers? Hey, Jeff. <laughs> I'm glad to see you. Hi. 
Thank you very much for coming by. Can you tell my friends what it is that made you need this wheelchair? Sure. Well, when I was about seven months old, I had um, I had a tumor and it broke the nerves to tell my hands and legs what to do. I see. And I got a wheelchair when I was four years old. That was your first one? Mm-hmm. When you were four? Uh-huh. He told Jeff before they started that they would have a chat and then sing a song together. I think he said we might sing a song, yeah. I remember, because yeah. I mean, I was sort of surprised. What, he's going to start singing a song? Well, you know, there's this totally, not even what song. <laughs> it's you, I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you, I like. The way you are right now, the way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your fancy chair, that's just beside you, but it's you I like, every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember, even when you're feeling blue, that it's you I like, it's you yourself, it's you, it's you. must be times when you do feel blue. Uh-huh. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> I'm so glad that you came today. Thanks. I remember asking one of, the, one of the staff people that was there, well, you know, what do you think? Did it go okay? So, Don't. This is good. This is good. He had his surgery. He survived. Certainly, Mr. Rogers had an impact on who Jeff became, his sense of self. Those who would try to make you feel less than who you are, I think that's the greatest evil. It was said that Fred Rogers was most attracted to the most weak and vulnerable and discarded uh, kids in society. And so it is with Jesus that for Jesus, those who are on the fringe, Jesus was just magnetically attracted to them. He was just, he was more attentive. He just knew where they were and he gave them love and relationship and acceptance. The tax collector in the tree, the blue-collared fishermen going about their day, the Samaritan woman marked by broken relationships, and the criminal on the cross. If you were to look at all of these encounters, what you would find is the same sequence. It began by Jesus loving them and accepting them. And through that acceptance, Jesus would then call forth their true identity, their true goodness. And they would end up becoming different people, behaving differently, believing differently, 
through love and belonging. Fred Rogers said this quote, I think it's so very good. I believe that appreciation is a holy thing, that when we look for what's best in the person we happen to be with at the moment, we're doing what God does. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something truly sacred. Amen. The last lesson I want to share about what Fred Rogers teaches us is that the good news is the power of unconditional love. It sounds a bit trite, but I think the greatest force in this world is love. In the end, all that matters in life is the degree to which love has marked your life. As we heard in the trailer, Fred Rogers said that love is at the root of everything, all learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. Love is the primary calling for every follower of Jesus. Your primary calling, if you know and follow Jesus, your primary calling is to love. When you boil our faith and life together down to the most basic element, the thing that we will be left with is love. Love of God, love of the other, and yes, love of self. And when that love permeates our life, when it's soaked in through our life, we can know for sure that we are experiencing Christ, that we've walked with God. John, the disciple who himself, he, he, he gave himself the title, the one whom Jesus loved. John, he said this in 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Okay, so love is God. It's not a human invention or endeavor. It belongs to God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So love is the fruit and the byproduct, the distinguishing mark. If you know God, if you've experienced a life with God, it's love. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is God's very character. This is how God showed his love among us. So for God, love is more than emotion, more than a feeling. This is how God showed love, gave love. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So our life is now meant to be experienced through Jesus. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is how we know that God is love, is that he gave his son. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. You want to know the longing that people have to see and experience God, they're waiting to experience the love of God in you, in me. We have this opportunity to complete God's love. It's complete in us. That is our role in this world, is to be a displayer of God's love, to complete that love. It's all about love. This is the power that ultimately changes people's hearts and in doing so changes the world. Surprisingly, not everyone agrees with this message. So we have our last clip here. Let me ask you something about what yeah. we've been discussing for the last three hours. Mr. Yeah. Rogers and the narcissistic society that he gave birth to because he told every kid that they were important 
Do you believe his philosophy destroyed a generation? An evil, evil man. The criticism goes like this. You told everyone they're special. They don't have to do anything to earn that special. That's what's wrong with our country. That's what's wrong with children today. He didn't say, if you want to be special, you're going to have to work hard. And now all these kids are growing up and they're realizing, hey, wait a minute. Mr. Rogers lied to me. I'm not special. I'm sure by then Fred had heard the criticisms. But he's not talking about entitlement. And if you don't believe that everyone has inherent value, you might as well go against the fundamental notion of Christianity that you are the beloved son or daughter of God. Hi, Mr. Rogers. Hi. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm glad you. to meet you. Thank you. I watched your show as a youngster. I wasn't allowed to go to preschool because I had a disability. And my mom made me watch your show every day. So thank you. Bless your heart. Thank I hear you. Thank you for my preschool education. And thank you for inspiring <laughs> me today. At the very end of Fred's very last commencement speech, he said what he meant when he said, you're special. And what that ultimately means, of course, is that you don't ever have to do anything sensational for people to love you. It is really a matter of believing that you're endowed by your creator with good. What changes the world? The only thing that ever really changes the world is when somebody gets the idea that love can abound and can be shared. You're doing a great job. Well, I suppose it's an invitation. Won't you be my neighbor? Uh, it's an invitation for uh, somebody to be close to you. You know, I think everybody longs to be loved and longs to know that he or she is lovable. And consequently, the greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Roger's life is an example of the power of, of love, acceptance of creating a safe place where people can be emotionally honest, and when people have a sense of vocation and calling in life. For Roger's, love was not just a fluffy, ambiguous concept. It was tangible. It was courageous. It was sacrificial. This could be the same for our lives as well. I've often seen people quote uh, Fred Rogers uh, during a tragedy, right after tragedy happens, and often with What's quoted is this. It was Roger talks about something that happened when he was a child. When I was a boy, I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. Teaching us to reorient our perspective of life. The reality is that God has sent you 
as a helper in this world, that you could be the presence in the midst of pain, you could be the presence of love in the midst of difficulty, that we were called to go into our neighborhoods of this world so that the presence of Jesus, the Lord and the lover of all, could be felt by all. I'd like to finish today with something a little out of the ordinary. We usually have um, communion. Uh, today I'd like to do something a little bit different as our sac- uh, sacred experience today. I'm going to do something that Fred Rogers loved to do, especially towards the end of his life. He would, when he would be asked to speak in front of a group of people, he would say these words, and I quote, From the time you were little, you have had people who have smiled you into smiling, people who have talked you into talking, sung you into singing, loved you into loving. Could you join me? Could you think of one person who has especially helped you along the way? Let's just take some time to think of those extra special people. Some might be right here, maybe sitting in the seat next to you. Some might be far away. Some might be in heaven. Wherever they are, deep down, you know that they always wanted the best for you, always cared about you beyond measure, and encouraged you to be the true, to be true to the best within you. And now, thinking of that person, we're going to have 30 seconds of silence. Just hold that person in your heart, in your mind. whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must know, be to know the difference that they've made in you. Let us furthermore, let's take some time to think of the people that God has placed in your life and the opportunity that you have to extend the power of love and acceptance in their life. Consider those people that God's placed in your life. Friends, may we live in such a way that we could be upon the mind of the next generation or the people who you've thought of when they have the same opportunity and doing so that they would be grateful to God.